Abe here, and I wanted to let you know that if you're able, you can upgrade your small beans skill over at patreon.com slash small beans. Here's why you should do that. If you pledge five measly beans a month, you get access to about half our podcasts that you don't get if you're just listening to the free feed. Shows include Star Trek The Next Futurama, Spielboys, Like Razor Blade Pie, and bonus episodes of I'll Show You Mine If You Show Me Yours. Not to mention bonus content, including info and updates on the movie we're making, Papa Bear. Hey, where's all the reasons to not subscribe to Patreon? I can't find them. Anyway, back to the show. You're about to hear the recorded audio diaries of Michael Swain, Adam Ganser, and Abe Epperson, transmitted to you from another dimension through the wonder of podcast technology. Lost in the multiverse, they have to dig into a different piece of multiversal fiction each episode in the hopes of finally discovering a way back to their reality. How do they know this isn't their reality? Because one of them is being a real asshole. Will our heroes ever make it home, or will they inadvertently explore our obsession with multiverses, alternate timelines, and parallel worlds, and tie it all into a conversation about postmodern art, pop culture, and what it means to be a human right now? This is Escape from the Multicurse. Abe, what do you think that what do you think that red goo is made of? The, you, the red matter? Yeah, what do you, in Star Trek? It's kind of gooey though, right? Star Trek? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It, like pull like it, when the needle goes in, yeah. it's like I don't want to. Yeah, what I is that? Adam, I asked you not to tell Abe about my red goo. That was incompetence, bro. <laughs> I've tasted it. That's the only fact I want to add <laughs> no, to this. No, it's getting worse. <laughs> oh, now, now you're going to implode. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Tastes a lot like uh, tomato sauce. It was weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, anyway, tomato sauce. <laughs> that's the bit we decided to open up this episode with. Another episode, of course, of Escape from the Multicurse. Welcome, everybody. <laughs> uh, sufficient sound effects. Have been added, no doubt. Uh, I'm one of your intrepid hosts, Adam Ganser, and with me is uh, an equally intrepid host. I'm Abe Epperson. Ooh, yeah. (laughs) And and finally, are you auditioning for who is that, Mr. Poopy Butthole? Are you going to be a Royland replacement, bro? (laughs) Yeah, dude. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, anyone who's cast that show, look into Abe Epperson. He's the one. He's the poopiest butthole. Anyway, (sighs) third guy, say words. (laughs) Michael Swaim, hi. Cool. <laughs> I love that. Uh, sounds like this is going to be fun. With that, uh, with that extremely exciting introduction, we will zip right over to the multi map and talk about 2009's Star Trek. Uh, mm-hmm. This is the part of the show for those of you who don't recall, like most of our hosts. Uh, where we briefly summarize our takeaways and theories about the episode before we jump into a full-scale invasion of arguing with each other's points. Uh, Abe, you want to start? I will. Okay, great. Um, So, yeah. My big, the big question is, how is this unique in the multiverse stories that we tell ourselves, right? Mm. And this one is a byproduct, in my opinion, of something we talked about a few times in the show. And it really, really is like kind of the cardinal example of it, which is the blockbusterfication of all IP forever and ever and ever look back because we <laughs> got to get that four quadrant snarky rebellious types having laughs, killing bad guys. And it's one of the boldest defenders of uh, like reimagining that I can seen recent memory like sci-fi has always been this like flash gordon's 
Lost in Space, uh, like Battlestar Galactica. They had the, the, we reimagine these all the time, and uh, the genre has a love story with bringing back the worlds of sci-fi, and for the most part, it's just a reboot, new rules, new characters. Let's go. I actually think this is a very smart way to not be beholden to the past's writers. Uh, and you'll see in this movie, basically the whole concept is mm. they build an alternate timeline and it's like, yeah, all the other stuff that James Kirk did is still there, but like, just not this one. This is just different fate. Um, so I thought it was actually pretty smart, but my big thing takeaway is that it's, uh, clear indication, and if you look at the shows in Star Trek and whatnot, of the philosophical kind of short fiction device that Star Trek truly is, it is now an action-adventure device. Yeah. And I think that makes it a fairly hmm. unique movie in uh, in the canon. J.J. Abrams was very vocal about it being like, I'm not a Star Trek fan, and the brain <laughs> trust of Star Trek oh. saw that as valuable. They were like, oh, you can bring other people into the fandom. So it's actually the least fan service thing a franchise can do, at least I can think of recently, although I don't know all the Marvel and DC stories, so maybe there's examples there, but that's it. That's my rant. Yeah, I, I need to direct it's your attention <laughs> to a little-known film called Ant-Man and the Quantum Mania. Because uh, <laughs> yuck yuck. Uh, anyway, hey. by Jeff Loveness, a cracked alum. Uh, I, <laughs> did you, okay. you want to go? No, did, did no you, you go. go you go. Okay. All right, great. Okay, I will. I'm just. I feel like I see what the asshole bit is now, but okay. may, but you confirm it. Let's see. I feel like I do too. Uh, hey, Abe, remember that time when we were emailing and I was like, I love this movie. Uh, uh -huh. That guy was a liar. He was a dead, dead fucking liar. <laughs> I, I, I did not you enjoy this. this. Ouch. I did not this mm. time. And I was really disappointed oh. because I, I do own it. Um, and this time when yeah. I watched it, I was like, man, there's not a lot to this. Uh, there's not a lot to this movie. There's also not a lot of philosophical curiosity, which is a thing that I would expect, if nothing else, from Star Trek. Like, totally. if nothing else, I would think, well, at least they're trying this multiverse thing and they're fairly early to this idea in, in mass entertainment. And really, mm. all it is is a reason to justify a reboot and still include yep. the you know previous cast. And I thought, man, like, uh, they didn't even, like, they weren't even curious about, hey, maybe you can fix the past or uh, create multiple iterations and get them to help each other. They didn't do any of the curiosity things that I would want out of this concept, like Spider-Man later will. Um, so that was a little bit of a disappointment. As a movie, it's it's there's not a lot to it. It's basically like one long, here's how everyone got their jobs and beat one guy. And that guy was Eric Bana. Uh, and then we, that's it. Now we can do a franchise. Um, and I'm not trying to shit on it. It's more that like, man, I really thought there was going to be more to say about this movie. Um, as a multiverse entry, it again, re reminds me. And I suppose us that the multiverse is fundamentally for writers to use to engine plots more than anything else. That's what mm -hmm. it's for. And, uh, the least curious among us will use it just as a way to explain away franchise problems. And that's all this is. So like there's a, there's an undoubtedly low art piece of the puzzle that the multiverse entails in movies. And this is, I think a perfect encapsulation of it. Uh, that's really all I have to say about it. <laughs> Got it. Uh, okay. I <clears throat> just cause I want to be conciliatory. I'll start sure. with, 
the thing I do agree about, which is that I do feel like it doesn't have as much to say as I wish it did, hoped it did, even thought it did based on my awareness of it, although I had not actually watched it before we are doing this episode. But like my cultural osmosis, I thought it would be more interesting to me than it was, even though as people who listen to Star Trek The Next Futurama hopefully know, like I'm a very, very big Trek fan. Uh, okay, so now all the stuff I disagree on, including that I'll st- I don't think these are rants, so I'll disagree with the way we interpret the format, as I usually do on this show. I interpret this as how do they use the multiverse, uh, and I don't necessarily think, I'm not trying to just be contrarian because it was kind of just a flip remark, but like... I think we've seen in this show that the multiverse can be used for a lot of different things. That's why we're covering it. But Adam, you're right when you say that it's mostly used, especially now. It's like 70% a get out of jail free card. And then we we on this show try to gravitate towards movies that where it's slightly more interesting. Like everything, everywhere, all at once is using it as a stand-in for empathy, right? And that's a, a different thing. But I totally disagree with the interpretation uh, of how they're using it because I see it as like, there's only one alternate dimension in this. It's not technically it's multiverse in the sense that there's two. And it's really more about to me, the idea of almost Cartesian duality because the only multiverse we see is the representation of V'ger's brain when Spock is going towards the central thing. And it represents, like, to me, the difference between the simulacra or the idea of something, because V'ger is absorbing all the knowledge in the universe, and, like, the reality of the thing itself, which is what Kirk has been dealing with. And also, a finer point, it's not a reboot, uh, just because Kirk is an admiral now, unless what I think is happening is happening, because, dear reader, I, like, there's, I, so here's what I don't get. There's only supposed to be one asshole per episode, but it sounds like you guys are both talking about the J.J. Abrams one, and I just want to say on the record, I watched the thing we agreed to, which is, of course, Star Trek, the motion picture, the 1979 one. That's what I was wondering. I don't understand <laughs> yeah. why you guys are fucking with me, but I will do my best to acclimate. He's, the second he's dropping Vidra, I was like, oh. <laughs> What what a what a notion. Well, I'm gonna say I'm gonna I'm gonna say straight out right. Uh, you're right, Michael. We sh- we were supposed to have watched that one, mm-hmm. but guess you what? Two of us didn't, on and the old so swing. you're you're on you're on the outs, All right. my man. Well, luckily I've seen the Abrams one too. Oh, that's good because that's what we're gonna be talking. About. <laughs> okay, <laughs> now go ahead. <laughs> I refuse to know what I know about that first oh, movie. Lovely, ball with that, I refuse to know that. Bit. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> I will enjoy hearing how much better the episode would have been had we followed instructions. I kind of want to talk about what he's talking about. <laughs> <laughs> like, we'll, we'll find a way. We'll, we'll find a way. Okay, great. Just, just like James Kirk. Hey, so uh, that probably leads us then uh, beautifully to our. Uh, our next segment, which I believe we call Verses on Verses, in which we have a more robust conversation about uh, the various theories and their meanings, and also talk loosely about the movie as a whole. Uh, so, Abe, did you have anything you want to launch us off with? Well, I mean, if we want to keep talking about this blockbusterification and like how this movie really does kind of change where the attitudes of Trek are, which is a fascinating conversation to me, just because it does kind of fall in this bucket of <laughs> a beloved. It's a beloved show. I'm also a Trekkie. I'm a big nerd. Um, 
and the powers that be in terms of Star Trek, you know, like Gail Berman, Kurtzman, Brian Fuller, all these people. Alan Dean Foster. Uh, they all love their <laughs> version of Trek and they want us to see it, but they're terrified of Trekkies. And this brings up something that I think is just true about uh, franchises. And when you try to reimagine a franchise, it's like the thing that you have to f- worry about the most as a creator. Because I can imagine, like, Star Trek is one of the most cutthroat, most excited fan bases of all time. I, you know, yeah. I think only maybe Star Wars can make that claim. Obviously, there's X Men and Batmans and stuff too. I'm not saying one is a, more superior than the other. I'm I just would argue. Like, I would argue being a Star Trek fan is more of a social identifier historically than any it's, other. Historically, fan base. it's it's a whole deal, yeah. and so it's one of them. Yeah, and um. You know, like, so what they do is they tape, typically tape, make their own, like, new X-Men or new Batmans and they, you know, reboot it and whatnot. I, in fact, like, it's almost written into the DNA at this point that it's like, who's the new Batman? Kind of like the mm. American version of Doctor Who. Um, and it's not just new Batman with a new take and a new, like, way in which he, like, acts. He's darker this time or funnier this time. Uh, with Star Trek, it's like, let's replay the literal hits, but change the timeline entirely so we can just do it again. But then also, so that's like, okay, so that's interesting, right? Because they're trying to build out the early days and find why people fell in love with Trek. But that's actually not what the franchise has been doing. I would, I would argue. The franchise is like pivoting to a a action adventure genre. They, they, this is definitely the most have your cake and eat it to concept of, of Star Trek. And like, I don't blame a studio executive who's like, look, Star Trek is kind of an exciting premise it could be a blockbuster if somebody just bothered to make one and we really put money behind it. Like, I don't, I don't necessarily blame an executive for seeing the possibility of expanding Star Trek's influence into Mm. people who thought this is for nerds, you know, like, I don't don't know. Like, is that a wrong thing? No. And I appreciate, No, but I get, I totally, I see what your point is. And it speaks to the vibe check between uh, classically between TOS and TNG, right? If you're gonna (laughs) go TOS crew, it is going to be more Kirk punches shit. Like the show was more like that. Right. The show was kind of more like that. And (laughs) over on the 1979 track, I just got to say, the same thing that you guys are saying, but about Star Trek, the motion picture would be that it's trying to be 2001 A Space Odyssey really hard. Oh, yeah. Which I find interesting because like long sections, like there's a 10 minute section with no lines of just them just getting from docking. earth to space dock to get on the dick, enterprise dick to dick <laughs> exactly yeah. the pacing of 2001 and what's crazy is that it was made this movie was made 11 years after 2001 and it looks like shit and comparatively it makes you think like kubrick is a fucking god like yeah 2001 it's, a space it's, odyssey no is it. truly mind-blowing to me more than star wars in terms of and the visual lexicon and the year it came out it's like god this one is like it's Michael Bay, you know. JJ yeah. Abrams is just it's all about full spectacle Bay. in both. Yeah, uh, in the I don't know. I kind of like this movie because I think it's loads a- of fun as an action like, movie, right? As an action movie, because yeah. as the Trekkie inside of me hates it because all I want to see is more Trek. 
and it's so it's weird to see it like that. It's like a monkey wearing a dress or something. It's like sexy I mean, I don't know why hell. you're describing incredible things. Uh, <laughs> but, <laughs> like something has clearly gone terribly wrong. I would say that's what it feels like to me. I would I would say it it suffers from that kind of cynical like conceived on a spreadsheet, but not actually born of passion. Like for right. instance. Very few reboots ever feel the need to justify the previous timeline, right? Like, like Batman, Tim Burton's Batman didn't need mm. to justify Adam West's existence. You know what I mean? No. Like, and Nolan didn't need right. to acknowledge anything. Exactly. Yeah, it's just reimagining. It's like, who gives it's a shit? Unsaid. Yeah. Who cares? Yeah. William Shatner's a thousand years old. Who gives a fuck? But like, right. what's interesting is they knew it would be slightly Star Trek to acknowledge and incorporate the original Spock in a plot way. And that's all the curiosity they showed about that idea. You know, like, like let's do a little multiverse thing where we're going to make an assertion that fundamentally changes everything, you know, about star Trek. And that assertion is we are now splitting the timeline into alternate realities. We are creating everything we do is creating alternate realities. And instead of like that being the Genesis of an entire different conceit, of what Star Trek could be about. Like Star mm-hmm. Trek could literally be about dimension hopping if they wanted to and should be. Often they should... it is in the mirror universe episodes. And yeah, I yeah. mean, they don't not do that. Right. Well, they should be doing it if that's their mission to like, you know, explore uncharted space and find out what's true about the universe. The rest, like the rest of this franchise, however many movies it will end up being, they should be jumping between dimensions and finding out what the other fucking Treks are doing. That's what they should be doing. And they're not well, doing that. <clears throat> I know? think you need to see a little movie called Generations, my friend. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, when you say Shatner and yeah. Picard together. Um, it's interesting, as <laughs> just as an overall Trek note, it feels like the marketing wing of the Star Trek behemoth is still trying to do that. Um, because, of course, as Abe mentioned, the key to a blockbuster now is giving you what you already like. Um, but I think, so like Strange New Worlds is the current show that's like, Okay, did you like those characters? Because here's those characters again, shot more like the original series. And then uh, Picard is like, did you like those actors? Here's those exact actors old now. Um, There's multiple ways in which they're pursuing the idea of just how can we repeat the success of the first leg of Star Trek franchise, which as Dave Bell on our sister side, Gamefully Unemployed, points out incessantly, which is great because it needs to be pointed out incessantly, that's not why the thing succeeded. You can't just replicate it arbitrarily. Replicate. You're changing the DNA, man. Like that's what's yeah. pro- the problem that I'm pointing out is that, and this is my best old man shouting at the sky voice. You right. know, like Strange New Worlds has gotten a lot of praise for exactly that reason, like you said. And you know, like I think that, like when we when we think about when we think about how they change things, look no further than like the intro to. Uh, you know, S- Spock and Kirk. You know, it's like let's go back to when he was a boy. Yeah, you know, and he's like he's Spock's all to like, I, I failed my yeah, you know my emotion ceremony. Yeah, so now like, I have to return in my little spacesuit to help you deal with V'ger. Yeah, can, can we? Yeah, yeah can we're we, all talking about the same. I'm stuff. sorry. I just want to. Can we take one minute? On the driving mm. sequence in the old fucking Corvette or whatever oh, with sabotage, yeah. he's a kid what is car thief. What is in an Akira jacket? He drives that car off a cliff for no reason other than like, yeah, <laughs> like there's yes. no reason and to let do me, that. 
Let me just point out by comparison, and I do think this speaks to how the ethos is just fundamentally different. In Star Trek The Motion Picture, the big like travel scene is Spock just in a spacesuit with little jetpacks on the back going forward for a long time. Literally so dumb that like Futurama so got their Scooty Puff Jr. gag as a reference to that. Like <laughs> yeah, he's just yeah. in a little thing going like buzzing across. Anyway. Now if yeah. they had Whereas if they had Kirk put is that... like, I'm going to ride this motorcycle off this cliff. And now no if, they had, if they'd scored that with Immigration Song by Led Zeppelin, you might have had yourself yeah. an Abrams Ooh. film. You know? No. <laughs> right. su surprising yeah, no think... one, they cut to a shot of stars sliding off of his helmet and played the 2001 theme. Right, right. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, there's obviously, it like comes from the same place. Like, there's a little bit of Stanford frat boy in Kirk always. Right. But this Beating is like townies. full on, this is a full on, like, yeah, he's the coolest this is, kid has ever existed. This is like nihilist James Dean who does nothing right. other than barely survive his own foolishness. And, you know, like, it's and I see, but it's interesting that in TNG, Picard was that. Literally, like he was so his dope, famous yeah. origin story is he got stabbed in the heart in a fight with Nausicans at a bar over yeah. like gambling insults, and it's tapestry. And the whole thing is that Picard learned from that that he needs to, you know, cultivate his diplomacy skills. Whereas Kirk mm -hmm. is like, No, I'm rad, I'm gonna stay like this. <laughs> stay yeah. Yeah. And I, I mentioned Spock earlier, and I wanted to point out his intro too, because they both go back to like, Let's see him as little kids, and how are they? <laughs> and Spock is sassier than he's ever been. Like when he grows up into Zachary Quinto. And like the council's there and they're like, you're human, you're a dirty Vulcan and you, but we'll offer you a position. And then he responds like, fuck you. I, you, you clearly don't know what you got. I'm so fucking dope. And he goes, live long and prosper does the thing. Has he ever, has Spock ever let Nimoy in all of the canon ever said it like that? Like it means uh, like subtext wise, like fuck you, live long and prosper. As the, no, that, as the resident expert on Star Trek, I'm going to say no. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> that is like a huge change of character. You know, That's that means like, like um, ours. I'm praying for you. Fuck you. you. Yeah. yeah. And it's like Spock never does that shit, but like, I don't know. Uh, it's although that's, that's wild to me that's a wild i, I do think as i reference but it does tie here the in my timeline spock's whole arc is that he is still trying to suppress his emotions like his human emotions Stu keep coming up and he just true. wants to get rid of them so i yeah. think the implication because he's half human is uh he does struggle with that right so when he was young mm. he struggled even more i think I would say when he's foreign. All this this critique Dude. aside, I do think Zachary it's Quinto, is that right? Quinto or Quinto? Uh, yeah, yeah, it's pronounced Nimoy. Nimoy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I love I love his Spock for this for this incarnation. I really he's do. Co he's cool as fuck. Dude. Yeah, well, he's I cool like him in this role specifically because I do see the war between reason and his emotion all the time. Like I think, I think he's doing great work on that. Uh, yeah, and he it, is. and it makes it makes the character more less of an idea and more of more of a person you can see the struggle in. I think that's good. You know, 
I know. I know I'm Who's shitting on best? Nimoy. I know I am. I no, 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 no. I was going to ask follow-up question. Who's the best, like, stunt casting for a Vulcan? Like, any actor from any time, they have to be a Vulcan totally seriously. Like, to me, that's mm. funny. Jim Carrey. Because Vulcans are... V- Jim Carrey. Uh, oh. yeah, really you force him, be oh. like, no, you rein that shit in. You gotta in, dude. play it straight. You dude. hold that shit inside you. you <laughs> I'm gonna go with uh, Danny Trejo. <laughs> yeah, he'd be good. That's pretty rule good. As a Vulcan, I would love to see Jim Carrey, like, just watch how he spasms out his body just because he can't emote anymore. That'd be amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That'd be yeah. amazing. Off camera, oh. his arms are just like flailing, yeah, flailing around. Yeah. I know, I know I'm getting totally uh, like. You are really derailing from, huh? this mission my dude. but like i love in this movie that there's so many swole roll uh, romulans did they you really, notice that i didn't know also that. they're all in they, like winter coats like like why is it so yeah. fucking cold on their romulans, ship romulans and vulcans are typically like you know gaunt kind of fucking tall and slender like dudes this movie is full of like romulan beefcakes yeah. like jim bros i legit and thought I that was it. their thing like when I was, no. I, when I was, I mean, I as again as a Star Trek ex- expert, I knew. Well, right, yeah, I the knew same they weren't like that. James doing obviously a beefcake. <laughs> beefcake. Yeah. And I know they changed shit. Like the original <laughs> series had uh, uh, Klingons didn't even have like ridges on their forehead. Like they, they like cha- they're fast and loose so, with shit. Wait, wait, wait! I want to get back to the multiverse a little bit. In that, that is the. Uh, stated purpose Task here. At hand. So <laughs> yeah. I I want to I want to zero in on one specific thing that is at least cracked wise a bit of a problem, and that is the discovery of Scotty creates a third alternate dimension. Does it not? Like is I isn't mean, that the breaking loose of this and that's idea? That's a problem for you. Not a, not a well, problem. It's more, but... that, it's more that the events change the timeline because we went. It's the temporal. No, but uh, they prime they explicitly say the opposite. They explicitly say it's we are creating alternate timelines. It's a line in the film. Sure. Yeah. It, depending on your interpretation, Star Trek has this interpretation that like it causes infinite recursions and there's one base timeline. If you like watch like the, all the episodes with the the uh, there's like a. There's like a, a, a in the future, there's a team much like Starfleet that their whole job is to make sure that the timeline time stays never the way it and is. Right. There's a Voyager in. episode that goes and into it in detail. And every time classic Trek, at least, has ever fucked with time travel. They always use the model where there's one timeline. And if you go back and change it, you fucked it up. Yeah. You only Which get makes one. that makes up. sense. Yeah. And it makes this much cleaner. Says, uh-uh. episode. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's the thing is like, so. Either this undoes, like, so if you consider Nimoy's presence in this film as folding in all the rest of these Star Trek universes, and they do, right? They all by Then they're abandoning that original preset. It means that yeah. there was one timeline, and now the timeline has touched tips with a new timeline. That's well, it, it also means all those old episodes are wrong. No, they still happen. Or, just or it's no forever different starting timeline. now. Yeah, okay. yeah, that's the only way. So you this, could so it, this moment is the most important moment in galactic history. Well, yes. other than the one in the original series, you know, in uh, Star Trek: The Motion Picture, where you see that instead of a holodeck, they just have a standard game den with like fiddle faddle and chess and shit. I would shoot myself <laughs> out the airlock. Slam dunk, dude. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I love teeing yeah, you up no. for your. <laughs> mm-hmm. Thank no, you. No, it's You're like doing yeah, a great it's, job. Yeah. it's definitely uh, it, it just kind of 
eats it, it it like i don't know it's just it doesn't nullify them because like spock still has the experiences of the tos and all that stuff old spock but as he says to you know new hotness he's like you know i'm gonna be the guy who works on like vulcan like bringing vulcan people back keeping our culture alive you join starfleet there's that conversation because you know new spock is like uh why well, I, I should drop out of starfleet and work on vulcanness right um so there is this sense that one they're they're two different people now right? well and that's that that's like, actually what makes this this that's the most interesting thing about this movie is that Nimoy now as a distinct full person, which I, I think is proof that there is more than one timeline, you know, right. like uh, as a full distinct person stays in this time period in this universe. Right. And decides I'm just yeah. going to, you know, be around doing stuff in this Star Trek. Yeah. Yeah. It's not Marty McFly. He doesn't disappear. Nothing like right. you can't take old, you can't take Nimoy out of the equation. He's always just going to be there. And, you know, that's just how it works. Right. I guess, so, like, that, uh, just to talk about the multiverse as a theory just a little bit, there's not that many movies that genuinely are interested in it as a philosophical, like, theory. Almost all the things we're mm-hmm. watching are just interested in it as a plot exercise, except for again, everything everywhere all at once is one of the only truly philosophical movies about this concept. Well, or like I think it's even interesting, and maybe we'll cover it someday, maybe we won't. But movies like Coherence, where they're actually playing off of actual ideas in quantum physics, like M theory, or going down the sci-fi nonsense route of how could there actually be alternate dimensions. Ninety-five percent of multiverse movies we see. They're using alter dimensions like the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Like it's just a magic bag, yeah. right? And they're going out of their way to not be curious. Like they're they're not doing things that you should do if there was really a multiverse or questions you would ask right. immediately. Well, exactly, yeah. and especially it's so weird in Star Trek. Star Trek is the place where, as a person who doesn't watch it, where I assume this is where ide- like ideological and intellectual conversation goes to get plotted. Like that's the point of Star Trek, right? Is like let's ask some fun mm-hmm. questions and plot it out. And they don't do any of that here, which to me is like this is no. a franchise that violates Star Trek on a on a, de- a genetic level. Like it's a, interesting to saying. me that by presenting Nimoy, which is their effort to honor the original fan service, they're yeah. breaking the canon of the original. Right. Which, that's you know, right. wild. JJ, like yeah. the, the brain trust going like we need to do fan service, right? Mm-hmm. We need to get those fucking. And he's like, I know figures. I'll do one that directly contradicts the other thing. The fans know. Already. Yeah. And then they're like, JJ Abrams should direct. And he yeah. hates Star Trek. Well, it's, so, <laughs> it's so fun how like the multiverse almost always ends up being a funhouse mirror in somewhere or the other for like our views on humanity. Right. Alternate Seinfeld crew. Yeah, right. It's it, just, it almost always yeah. is that it again is a funhouse mirror, but not, not so much for the world that is telling the story, but for the filmmakers, it's, it's a funhouse mirror for them because it shows they don't actually love Star Trek, uh, for what it's about. They love Star Trek as a yes. premise, as a set of costumes. And then they love their money. own thing that they love. And they right. make that exactly. with Star Trek brand on it. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and that's the, th- that's the thing with J.J. Abrams. For all his bad ideas, he knows how to start a movie that gives you a sensation that this movie will be fun, action-packed, going to play with my emotions. And that's not nothing. That's a big deal. 
And his thing is, I do beginnings. Let's start at the birth of Kirk, make it epic. And it's like, uh, but that's all he does, right? It's he he make it's like some kind of box of mysteries or something. You know, I'll tell you I mean? what I think he's really good at as a director. And I know this isn't a director piece, but I it really stuck out. Flares. He's he's really good at motion, at keeping a frame in motion oh, and yeah. transferring the eye of the audience to the next thing. He's real good at that. Yeah. Him in a bay like way. Yeah. 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 In a bay like way, that bay is almost like superficial in comparison. Like mm-hmm. Abrams, uh, Zack Snyder, Christopher Nolan, this whole era really had this thing where we jump around so fast in the pacing and the rhythm of the scenes. Um, it just injects this emotion. It, like it forces you to be like, all right, there's an emotional scene happening. Uh, just slam it right into your veins like boom Spock and his mom have a deeply nuanced love you only get three lines boom Spock is is. now kicked out of yeah yeah, it's just like you just get these greatest hits and they understand that that makes like for a great blockbuster I've never seen a Star Trek or Star Trek ever do anything like and that? It, and, and that was fun. Goal. I I I, w- I do want to distinguish between J.J. Abrams and the other filmmakers you said, because J.J. Abrams is actually very design conscious in his shots. Um, he doesn't get a lot of credit for this, but this movie you really can see it with all of his like designed whip pans and like the moment where he's dollying away from a face. Like he's pretty. He's not as scattershot as Michael Bay, who has just like a unique magic yeah. gift for knowing where to cut. He's so good at that. I think you know. You're yeah. He is really like this movie, not not Star Trek: The uh, Motion Picture, has the best turbo lift shot of. It's really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm Because like, if you don't recall, Spock at one point walks in, the door closes, he holds for a beat, and then he walks out into an entirely different set. It's fucking cool filmmaking. I assume they made this by literally rotating him like ninety degrees, so you could have these two enormous sets next to each other on like a you know like the floor um or maybe they did it with like seeming it with cg i don't know but yeah that's i just i will give you turbo lift but nothing touches the star wars the motion picture uh for teleporter shots because if, if you haven't seen it in a while this is the i didn't even know this was possible in star trek canon but it's unimpeachable because it's the original series. They accidentally transport some crewmen aboard the Enterprise without locking their pattern buffers. And Uh-oh. they come in as combined hideous flesh piles screaming. Then they teleport yeah. them to yeah. the med bay. And the doctor calls and says they didn't live long, fortunately. That means that these people who they worked with, their friends, they're like, you're so hideous from this malfunction. I hope you die. Oh, good. You did die. That's good. Just a bunch of Tuvixes, <laughs> yeah, yeah. dude. <laughs> yeah, they make like eight Tuvixes just to the, kick like, off the movie. Screaming, bubbling mm-hmm, mm-hmm. masses of flesh and blood. And, yeah, I, they... and it ruins the canon in this, in similar ways. You know, like when at the right. end when Decker teaches V'ger to love by having sex with it, which is true. <laughs> um, it begs the question, how come when Tasha has sex with Data, it doesn't teach him to love? Could Tasha yeah. have secretly been an android? This is my question. Yeah, it does ask. Yeah. It asks you what Nunian Sung is up to. It's, and I, oh, oh to Adam's point, and then I'll really shut up for a bit. I did want to say, uh, you're right that I do wish, like TNG, the most <laughs> philosophical one, tackled time travel questions more because time travel questions are interesting. The only one that I can think of, but it is good, is the one called A Matter of Time, where a con artist from the future is there, and they're arguing mm. about, like Picard is like. 
Max Headroom but it's important stage. that I do what I do, what I think is right in the present, regardless of how it affects the future, because I'm in the present and time flows forward and it's my right to like do the right thing. And the other guy's like, no, 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 my the future is more legitimate because all this shit that's happened, like that is you're all yeah. you've been dead for thousands of years. Why do I care what happened to you? You're fucking with history. That's an interesting argument about that time is something I want to hear what whose uh, timeline is Adam deserves to live things. Yeah, because so just kind of reiterating what uh, yes, it could what Michael's we saying, Thank but you. also, <laughs> but also like kind of gearing it towards a specific question that I have is that there's this concept of the alternate universe now created that that it's less than the original one obviously that's like always that, that true loaded that's way. always true of, of multiverse like so obviously now vulcan's gone and there's been horrible atrocities uh and but typically in starfleet in the in the history of like star trek's canon when you're up against that kind of stuff they still obey this temporal prime directive which is different from the actual prime directive which means that you do not change the past because you can start a new chain of events like even if you like kill baby hitler or something amazingly right. great right you can still create like it's the butterfly effect it, yesterday's it enterprise it was, is all about it now the klingons hate us yeah and society now fucked. like even yeah. though you did it for a good reason and you did the right thing to save from this one tragedy it spawned nine million other tragedy tragedies so you can't just change history that's just written on the wall in star trek they learn that lesson all the time they try to change it they fuck up this so they undo what they've done now we're setting up in this movie that it's just something you should do if you feel it's worth yeah, it. That's right. So I can, yeah. So I can like I'm, I can see how people get mad at this being like untrack or something like that because it's almost like spitting in the philosophies that seem to have been canon for a long, long time. Well, again, multiverses are almost always a cosmic playground for human beings to explore their own potential, right? That that's right. that's like, I think why they are interesting to us at all because. Uh, they're not they're not much more interesting than that. They're sort of like a little canvas where we can paint a self-portrait and see what we discover. And so the fact that in this multiverse version of Star Trek, they're like, eh, why don't you try fucking with time, though, and see what happens, is like, yeah, yeah, of course, because mm -hmm. this is the experimentation room. Like, that, that's, yeah, that's what this Scotty is. just give Scotty the transwarp uh, fucking right. algorithm. Just, like, make that That happen. was a huge Ten years decision. Before. Huge decision. Um. And it's yeah. also strange the things they don't decide to experiment with since they're out here making alternate timelines, right? Things like, why don't they go back and undo this Vulcan thing? You know? Like what's oh well, man. As that's a perennial Trek problem in all the series True. is because they're sci-fi short stories. Essentially, they'll introduce like, little did you know, Worf secretly has this device or power, and you're like. Why doesn't he do that all the time? Right. Like it's riddled obviously, with that. Obviously it's a writing problem, but like, but it isn't in this case because they are bringing up this rule and throwing it to the side and saying, you know, multiverse. And it's like, well, <laughs> I like with a jerk off motion. Kind of. Yeah. It's like, I, I honestly feel like since Leonard Nimoy feels no compunction to go back to his time as Spock, it's like, then bro, why don't we go back in time and undo this thing that happened? You know, Right. I mean, if they, if, if they, they, they don't have like a stable time machine, right? They it just seems very clear he can make one. Well, that, that leads to a thing I want to talk about briefly if we can, 
Yeah, black holes are a little yeah. weird. Sometimes yeah. they eat yeah. you up. Sometimes yeah. they send you through across space. Uh, sometimes it's a solar flare. That's I want to do a fucking Seinfeld fucking routine on this. What's the deal with black holes? And then, of course, sometimes it turns out that it's a satellite that crashed into a planet full of synthetic life forms that worshipped it as a god <laughs> and nice. tasked it with the mission of collecting all data in the universe and returning it to Earth or the creator, if you will. It's just so Adam? silly. It's nice just so silly how like there's like four or five like categories of like sci-fi things and they just have dumb rules and they're whatever you decide they are this time yes they time do. travels one of them black holes is another you know like they're just i love whatever. how they set up they set up black hole inside planet that's all the information they, they <laughs> yeah the that what? Be. And, then, and then spock is like i'm just gonna teleport down there and run around <laughs> like you could fucking do that when there's a black hole inside. I'm like, I'm like, drop how's that it going off. and he's like i mean it's sucking on me hard but i think i'm okay <laughs> I'm, I'm running I'm, around ooh, I'm, I'm real strong in the leg but use too much hole you know? juice this time <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah it's so fucking weird yeah at the end they do the all of the all of the red juice is blown <laughs> right. up. Right. So does that mean it's a super massive black hole? Like how I think fun, it means like, they they get to do a return of the Jedi through the exploding core. Like right, that's the point of it, right? Right. Yeah. Uh, it's just like yeah. Fuck yeah. It. It's so that we can. Oh, there's a motorcycle through the black hole of my neighborhood. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he's driving his motorcycle. <laughs> the Nokia sound <laughs> plays. Do you remember? Yeah. Like, well, I, was yeah, yeah, yeah. Do, do, do. I was thinking Crazy Frog. Remember that motherfucker? <laughs> crazy <laughs> Frog. <laughs> Hold on, message from oh. Starfleet. You act like I fruit. Yeah, I never forgot Crazy Frog. <laughs> <I loved it. laughs> uh, yeah, also dude. a cool guy on a motorcycle, I believe, if I recall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's true. He's been portrayed on a motorcycle for sure. Jeez, uh, jeez. You know the um, what's some moments I want to talk about? Just briefly, there's been three yeah. Star Treks in this franchise, and apparently, it doesn't look like this fourth one's going to happen. What do you mean? Oh, the oh the the in dark into darkness with the con one and then, then uh, beyond, beyond darkness. Nemesis. Say. Uh, He's talking about how this reboot has only been a trilogy. Oh, sorry, Nemesis is the last TNG one. That's right. Right. <laughs> right. Right. Honestly, honest. We're data living in your own time. Honest, right. stupid right. question. <laughs> honest, stupid question. I mean this. Honest, stupid question. If they rebooted Star Trek again, and we're like, we're doing a gritty reboot, and it's it's TNG. We're gonna start over with a new Picard and all that. Are you in on that? Me? Yeah. I yeah. Hell yeah. Love that idea. Yeah. Here's the thing, and I feel like Star Trekkies really know this deep down. Star Trek is a TV show. And you if only it's, make well, movies yeah. when you like people fall in love and it's a very successful. TV My yes show. is dependent on one and only one thing. And I think it's what Abe's mostly trying to speak to. And all Trekkies know this is like the reason I liked it is or like if it understands the core, which is that it's not an action show. It's 20 percent action, 30 percent character development, 50 percent philosophical conundrum. If they understand that, then I'm in a thousand percent. Yeah, dude. Give me more Doesn't matter how it's shot. Bitch. Like they can express themselves in any other way on any other slider. They just have to understand that it's not X-Men. It's the special thing that it is, which is we're not a ship of war. We're a ship of diplomacy. And you're like, that's why you should shoot at stuff. That's more exciting. Uh, no, it's not to some people. Some people like thinky think. I also wanted to yeah, point yeah, out, and I, think that- uh, and I know this is uh, not the highest brow Star Trek observation. Uh, but looking at the outfits this time, 
You know, I was mm-hmm. like, man, they really wanted to punish those people in the 60s because these out, these outfits oh, yeah. are so obviously better and intuitive. Like, it's like, yeah, let them wear a fucking sweater. Obviously. Why are they making them wear these spandex onesies that are clearly miserable mm. and nobody looks because good in? Because it's the future. Right, but they look bad. <laughs> you know what I mean? They look yeah, bad. Yeah, I mean, the observation we make all the time is like every, every in like the TNG era, even like the Deep Space Nine and uh, Voyager era, like almost every dude is like pulling down their shirt. Right. Because it wrinkles so easily. so yeah. bad. Yeah. And yet they're saying just, stuff like it's a super good material that keeps me good and hot, good and cold. It cleans the air. You know, they're treating it like yeah, a still suit because they don't want to have spacesuits. They can just go to any planet in that shit. Yeah, there's a scene where Kirk just pisses into his... <laughs> and it cleans it, and, uh, <laughs> and McCoy he... drinks out of it. <laughs> drinks out of his... No, that's nourishing. Uh, it's piss, Jim. Of... <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's actually a still suit. Yeah. That's the wrong franchise. Uh, I got to say, in the motion picture, the one costume note I made is the, the security guards. So, like, you know, there's security who wear the gold color or whatever. It depends on the era. Um, but then there's these guys who are souped up like the SWAT team version, uh, mm-hmm. and they wear little leather football helmets and, yes. le- and lead aprons that dangle down in the middle, like to block their dick <laughs> from radiation. <laughs> so they're like, yeah, do not phaser my dick. That's the main thing. <laughs> Protect the yeah. dick. You can have they're any amazing. of my ribs, any of my internal organs, but not yeah. the dick, please. <laughs> I know stun is nuts backwards, but let's not go there. Ooh, Ooh I never thought I'm about that. Wow. I think of that you learn shit. Now, I, now I think you're the asshole because you did that <laughs> yeah, because he's oh my really stones so, yeah my stones <laughs> i think the wildest thing okay like and this was talked about fairly early on criticized uh because this is 2009 that's crazy by the way this movie came out in 2009 um yeah. and so they talked about how all the plot holes and like the whole scotty of it all and like uh, the fact that the moon has Leonard Nimoy, you know, like it's just all it's all very convenient. But the wildest thing to me in this movie, again, once again, it's done for writing reasons where they're like, we have to separate because it's like a buddy kind of love kind of um, script where they're like, we got to separate uh, Kirk and Spock and then bring them back together. It it's insanely on Starfleet for Spock to put not put Kirk in the brig after he becomes mutant. Yeah, he just throws him on like, a planet somewhere. Off the right. ship, which is you don't do that in Star Trek really, unless they're like a quarantine or something. He, he basically murders ruins him. him. Like it's only, it's pretty close yeah, to murder. It's a death planet. sentence. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and imagine like Picard being like Geordi, you fucking ingrate. I'm gonna throw Drop you, out the you moon. on an asteroid. <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah, it's just like this Bye, is bitch. wild. There, I've never. There's never been like a uh, like I'd be a. I'd be interested to see if anyone has ever done this in a trek. It's just severely on Starfleet. Yeah, they to me. they never um, seem to quite wild. get the fleet vibe in this movie. The vibe never. Dude, Picard shows would up. drop Wesley on like. 
the rings of Saturn. So fast. <laughs> Fuck you, Wesley. <laughs> Fuck you. Kill you like I killed your father. Yeah, I killed your father and I fucked your mother. <laughs> I'm laughing because I learned each other. That sounds that's funny. all true, or at least implied. <laughs> that sounds yeah. like that sounds like I happened. I yeah, would believe it happened if you told me. Yeah, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, man. We're like that's the one thing we uh, we're not fans of a lot. Oh but no, this is something I, I, understand I, I understand. You're both assholes. I I've always known that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, to quote the film, I'm sending you friendship messages in all frequencies. Energy of a type never before encountered. <laughs> energy of a type never. Such bad. So wait, there's such bad science gobbledygook Ugh. in the fr- in the that's movie. That's nonsense, man. Yeah. Ooh. That's nonsense. Ooh, also, okay, you said the wildest thing in that movie. Wildest thing yeah. in the 1979 movie is they introduce a female character who's bald and like pretty i guess or like the costume and obviously she's supposed to be sexy sexy and because when she walks on the deck we cut one by one to every man on deck you know like you know rubbing your jaw in and out like on like like their jaw opens and closing their eyebrows wiggle and then it cuts Mm -hmm. to her and she says announces to her new office mates uh, you should all know I took an oath of celibacy, which is on the record with Starfleet. So oh, no. I'm like, this is not a good working environment for this lady. This is not a good working and environment. Then she has to tell Starfleet in the that? movie. You have to tell your boss. Like, I'm that's celibate. what I mean. Yeah. Okay. You have to tell right. them that you're celibate and you don't want to get hit on by McCoy and then, or Bones or whatever. And then her arc is that she gets immediately absorbed by V'ger, killed and a robot version of her is a duplicate of her is to cre- is created. And Decker, the guy who was creepily hitting on the real version of her, his arc is that he at the end he fucks that robot. Sure, sure. So he's like, if I can't assault the original woman, robot's pretty good. Yeah, I'll build one pretty good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll get that one. Yeah, yeah. That'll be the one. I love it. Well, it's like when Jen was still holding out on me early in our relationship. I made, you know, <laughs> oh, just put like a cheese grater and stuffed it. it with paper towels and <laughs> built like a yeah, an effigy. Yeah. yeah, just a little robot. You called it your little <laughs> robot. Sweet I little Jen butt. Uh, <laughs> I love also that. Okay, so I, speaking of like sexiness in Star Trek, yeah, please. Uh, at one point, Kirk in this uh, the Christopher Pine, yeah, literally just says the line "Hello, ladies." <laughs> Which yeah. I was uh, like, "Wow, are you bad is... at baseball? Because I'd like to see you riding the pine." But it's just like <laughs> riding the pine. The uh, the hello, ladies. Like that is such a. Like that's an archaic yeah, thing. He, he right? didn't. Like, he didn't show up with a sonnet. Low-hang. He definitely didn't. Uh, There's. Yeah. He had. And just from a writing perspective of like you know want to make your guy charming, that's like on par with uh, you know uh, just me lady. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> he should have like, crashed the motorcycle off the cliff and then climbed up the cliff and gone. Do not go in there. <laughs> go in there. <laughs> but it's 2009. Was Hello Ladies fresh? At, in 2009 reconstructing the culture of this Star Trek would be a, a, a complete train wreck because he's the, driving uh, he's driving a car that clearly uses a combustion engine with Nokia as is as is like what in mm-hmm. in engine that yeah. happens uh, he's using catchphrases from the early 2000s to hit on alien women 
I don't, I don't know, man. Like it's a real, it's a real. That actually is true to the franchise, by the way. They all that have is, that problem. They love like that my shit, favorite yeah. is Voyager. They finally introduce a character who likes TV because it's so weird that they never watch films or care about TV. So Lieutenant mm. Paris likes TV. But whenever they show him, he's watching like black and white Betty Boop cartoons. You're like, you can't yeah. do better than that, man. You're not watching yeah. The Wire or some <laughs> shit. Come he's on. like, hey, it's the only thing we can license in the future, man. Exactly. Uh, hey, so we're having a great time here, but God, we are. But it's around time, I think, <laughs> mm-hmm. for us to make uh, the most important decision we're going to make today, which is whether we are going to close that wormhole, or in this case, I guess, leap into a black hole, and find out what happens, mm-hmm. right? That's what's going to happen. Or combine them, meaning oh, yeah. we yes. live on the surface of a planet that surrounds a black hole. <laughs> very good. Yeah. Those are all the very, things very that good. could happen. Uh, I'll start. I'm going to leave this because they're not fun with the multiverse. You know? Try mm-hmm. something here. They didn't try anything, and I that actually makes me mad. So I'm leaving it. I am definitely living in this world you really? cannot convince me otherwise any starfleet i will fucking take it i fucking love starfleet so hell yeah this for the hum of go. the engine alone to be a constant thing in my life abe i will see you there <laughs> i Man, mean I'll, yeah. I'll have to rip a hole between the two dimensions because we're obviously from separate timelines but we'll find That's a true. way yeah. we'll find a way we'll be able to talk hey, Trek I can always talk. yes go there now please but, yes, go there. but, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> but we agree that we agree this is the worst starfleet bad pizza in still the movies pizza. <laughs> yeah exactly Oof. dude Oof. exactly Oof. sloppy sloppy star trek right in my mouth give Boy. me that golden corral <laughs> trek <Yeah>. bullshit <laughs> well this we is some uh... shameless fanboy shit here mm-hmm. uh, yeah, i know i know i don't feel great about it yeah, i yeah. know do i feel guilty so and dirty <laughs> I had to get cross the threshold for myself and be like, oh, yeah, yeah no, no, I love this. <laughs> no space shower is going to get you clean now, Abe. Not after Sonic what you did. Sonic shower, you fucking cretin. <laughs> oh, enjoy it, bro. Enjoy it enjoy, with your streak enjoy filters. Your enjoy that. And I'll be over here with all the cool. Yeah, I'll be over here with people. things that aren't bad adaptations. Well, what do know? we say when? What do we say when we leave? We have to because we have to. <laughs> every you know the start, thing we all say in unison. Yeah, let's all say it now. Uh, fuck boys. The uh, portal is sealed. <laughs> Jesus Christ! What an episode. Yeah. Uh, uh, I will job. say warp, warp, warp with an O. Warp. Uh, Warp. Yeah. All right. This is a mess. We need to get the hell out of here right now. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Wesley, uh, Warp Factor 4 to oh, Saturn's so Rings, where but you will die. We're really <laughs> dumping Mike, though, right? We're dumping him. No! We got to dump Mike. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I, I can live in the, my own the real Mike has Mike. <laughs> The real Mike has never once has watched never the wrong Baker. thing. <laughs> you are merely carbon that. units that infest this pod like a disease. <laughs> oh, no.